who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hey, everybody! Here for a quick intro, um, we're about to get into an episode that I think holds a place in a lot of people's livers. Jenny, uh, <laughs> <laughs> why don't you kick us into sexy gear with the results from last week's sexual tension poll? That's the only gear with which I'm intimately familiar, in fact. Uh, <laughs> let me tell you what happened. Last week, what an intense heat. Yeah. Yeah. This is like almost neck and neck and neck. It's very close. Four uh, necks, truly. Yeah, it's more of a just like a gentle slope than a staircase <laughs> this week. Uh, in fourth place with 17% of the vote, we've got Mulder and military planes built using UFO technology. Honestly, I deserve a special award just for fitting that via emojis into the poll uh, length requirements. <laughs> and I salute you. Thank you. Get yourself a man who will hold a hamburger and fly it around in the air like a UFO with 26% of the vote. It's Emil and Zoe. Hell yeah. My God. This is truly incredible. Uh, I can't believe it's only the second episode and, you know, who I'd consider the headliners are already receiving a serious challenge. Mm -hmm. With 28% of the vote in second place, it's two Tinkerbell UFOs <laughs> swooping and gliding through the night sky, defying the laws of physics as they are wont to do. Incredible. Congrats to them, honestly. Mm -hmm. It mm -hmm. feels like a win. It does. I mean, honestly, are the two Tinkerbell UFOs Mulder and Scully anyway? And did they actually Maybe. take, you know, the lion's share of the vote? <laughs> yeah. And winning by only 1% with 29% of the vote in first place. It's fan faves. The mothership, Mulder and Scully. I need to get an air horn because that's what I felt air, in my air. soul. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, uh, congratulations. Uh, we'll be actually just adding one inch to the Sexual Tension Award trophy every time you win. So you'll just get yes. a mega trophy at the end of the series. Yeah, it'll be a, it's a little, nice little two foot tall trophy at the end of season one. <laughs> Uh, Jenny, just a quick nod to some of the very fun emails that we got uh, pertaining to our question of what are the first two items you think of when you think of Spencer Gifts? Uh, yes. For those of you who didn't listen last week, uh, I think Jenny's was lava lamps and black lights. Mine yeah. uh, was the thing that has a bunch of little nails that you put your hand on and it makes an imprint. And the little thing with six silver balls that click clack back and forth. Uh, mine Hell were the yeah. two hardest to describe items of Spencer <laughs> Um, Some other items from you all. Whoopee cushions and furry gloves. Agree. Glow in the dark stars that stick on your wall. And one mm -hmm. of those weird liquid filled cylindrical things that slips through your hands. It's Ooh, lime yeah. green with glitter inside. We all can yeah. feel it. In our hands, honestly, probably the model for Tombs's uh, little squishy squeeziness. You know, it's like oh, Tombs looking is like a like, yeah. sea cucumber. <laughs> yeah, uh, the party ball thing with all the colored lights on it. Astronaut ice cream. Ooh. Fuck yes, uh, and the clear phone where you could see all the wires. Uh, there were two more things, Kristen, that I wanted to yeah let you know about, just in case you missed them when you were a youth. Uh, one was just like a, a very wide array of like semi-erotic like greeting cards. It would be like a sexy cowboy with no shirt and a cowboy hat. And it's like the card makes it look like if you open it, you're going to see something see his scandalous. Under, see his underwear area as you like to <laughs> yeah, refer yeah. to it. Yeah, his yeah. bathing suit area. <laughs> his bathing suit uh, but area. But then you right. open it up and it's like, you know. A joke about how you're old <laughs> instead. Ha-ha, <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. So there were like a bazillion of those. And mm -hmm. there were also blow-up dolls in the shape of a human. But then also one thing that I remember specifically buying for somebody as a birthday present. Blow-up sheep. Blow-up love sheep oh my god oh and please i would be remiss uh not to mention the fact that on social media we got a lot of feedback as well and one of those things was the candy g-string the oh yeah hell uh, yeah i mean just uh, iconic if you did not buy a candy g-string for someone in your life in the 90s i don't know what you were doing you know mm -hmm. anyway we could have a whole podcast about items at spencer gifts that's right instead um we're gonna get into it and jenny we have a special guest who's right around the bend for us don't <gasps> we we he really do and i'm so excited down a chimney to get here <laughs> Uh, yeah, there's no nook, cranny, or crevice he wouldn't work <laughs> his way into to join us here on the pod. Uh, and he has a special title for this week's episode. Why don't we let him tell you what that title is before we roll in? Yes, friend of the pod and friend of our hearts, Rishikesh Hirway, how would you refer to your appearance on this week's episode? Tell us. Tombs coming. Why would I make them so uncomfortable? It probably has to do with your reputation. Reputation? I have a reputation? Mulder, look, Colton plays by the book and you don't. They feel your methods, your theories are... Spooky? Do you think I'm spooky?
Welcome to the X-Files. That's the EX-Files, a buffering rewatch adventure where we're watching and discussing every episode of the X-Files one by one, spoiler free. I'm Jenny Owen Youngs, ex-wife of Kristen Russo, and I grew up watching the X-Files. And I'm Kristen Russo, ex-wife of Jenny Owen Youngs, and I've only seen three episodes of the X-Files. Today we're talking about season one, episode three, Squeeze. Squeeze was written by Glenn Morgan and James Wong and directed in maybe air quotes, <laughs> more on that later, by Harry Longstreet. It originally aired on September 24th, 1993. This is the one, according to IMDb, where Mulder and Scully search for a humanoid killer whose savage murder spree reoccurs, reoccurs. It's like seeing that word. It's like recurs. Is it reoccurs? Every 30 years. Someone must be here to help me with how you say that word. If only there were a tall, <laughs> handsome man uh, with broad shoulders and a rich, sonorous voice, uh, velvety and bold. <laughs> Is there anyone like that on the recording? Hello, I'm Rishikesh Hirway. I am currently married by common law to both Kristen and Jenny. Correct. Oh, is that just so we can divorce you at the same time and you can become the official third host of the X-Files? Actually, Kristen Bombshell, Rishi sent me a screenshot of our text messages from July 2020 in which I formally pitched that we each leave our respective relationships (laughs) temporarily so that we could make a podcast called The X-Files. Wow, love. true. July 2020. Incredible. Let me read Love the, to learn uh, that I was the second choice, even though I was the first <laughs> ex-wife. Well, at the time, you know, I couldn't imagine buffering the Vampire Slayer ever being over. That's fair. That's ever fair. being complete. <laughs> Rishi, welcome. Thank you so much. Let me read this, this uh, infamous text to you. Rishi, do you want to pause our respective relationships, briefly date each other, no touching, and then make the X-Files podcast or what? <laughs> and he never texted me back, actually, for the last two and a half years. Wow, this is the first time you no guys response. have spoken since. Uh, this is so me. Awkward. I'm here to say I'm in. Oh, hell yeah. What wow. timing. Uh, well, as the first person asked to be the co-host of this podcast and as the first official guest of this podcast, I think that you're just your family forever at this point, Rishi. It is an honor. Uh, and I, I would go with reoccurs. Reoccurs? Spelled this way, yeah. Because recurs is a different spelling, different word. No O. No, right. no double C. Is it? <laughs> True. We, we don't have to get it. It's, it's fine. <laughs> um, it's much like my life and uh, TV in the early 2000s. Take that OC out of there. Oh, my God. I've, I now have known you long enough that uh, like I just I know from the first like two to three words of a sentence. <laughs> if you're just if you're just setting it up to knock it down. <laughs> And you got that sense? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Sidebar, Rishi, I've never seen the OC, so it's something we can talk about uh, at a later time. Off the mic, you know? Yes, yes. Peace (laughs) be with you, my sister. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so uh, for our sensitive listeners, 
We like to start every episode with a scary rating. Usually, producer Latoya Ferguson provides this on a scale of one to five. However, uh, for this episode, she was so filled with uh, seething rage when she saw that Doug Hutchison was part of this episode that she was too angry to be scared for once. Yes, while Tombs might be a fictionalized green-eyed liver eater. (laughs) Unfortunately, the actor who plays Tombs has done some really problematic shit in real life. Uh, We're not going to get into the detail here in pod, but notably, he married Courtney Stodden when Courtney was 16 and he was 51. And in recent years, uh, Courtney has spoken publicly about the gaslighting and the grooming that shaped that relationship. Uh, You know you're on the right track when you'd rather talk about someone eating livers in a TV show than what they got up to in real life. Yes. (laughs) So it's up to us, me, Kristen, and Rishi, to come up with a scary rating on a scale of one to five ripped out livers. How scary was this episode? Also, LaToya did give us the system. She just refused to participate in it. <laughs> she just did, this once. Just she did come up with ripped out livers as our unit of measure for oh this. Oh my one. gosh. Uh Rishi, you should go first. Um, I'm gonna give this one a four out of five ripped out livers. Uh there is a moment in the episode where I actually physically jumped. <gasps> a jump scare accurately named. I can't wait to find out where you jump. We should guess, <laughs> Jenny, don't you think? Okay. Um, my guess is when uh, Tombs reaches out of the floor level air vent in Scully's house, like oh. towards her ankles. That is Rishi's exactly the moment. Nodding. Okay. Nailed yeah. it. Yeah. Great, 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 great. Yeah. All right, Jenny, what do you got? Uh, you know, I'm trying to take into consideration that I've seen this episode like a zillion times. Um, and also, like, it imprinted on me when I was a child. Mm-hmm. So, like, how do I rate this? Do I rate this as an adult? Do I rate it as somebody who's... I'm trying to be objective. I think that this episode has power. Uh, I th- I think that, like, conceptually, it's in a really intense place. And I feel like, given the limitations, uh, budgetary, uh, the filming difficulties that we'll get into in a little bit, and also just, like, it was 1993... Um, I think they did a great job of making it creepy as hell. I'm happy to give it four and a half out of five ripped out livers. No cutting instrument was used. (sighs) Kristen? All right. Here's the thing. I agree with everything that you said. I think it's a fucking great episode in a million ways. But um, I also had, I've never seen it before, and I had everyone in the universe being like, oh, wait till you get to episode three. It is going to scare the shit out of you. It's so terrifying. So I went in ready to be like, is this going to keep me up at night scary? And I'm going to go three and a half out of five, which is pretty high for me because I'm a scary movie girl. I like to be afraid. You know, I have a high tolerance. Um, So I think three out of five, uh, three and a half out of five ripped out livers from me. Oh, that is a good caveat. I should qualify my four out of five um, with the information that I am a scaredy cat and I (laughs) can't watch, I don't watch horror and uh, even things that are just sort of suspenseful, I do use the, um, the, uh, you know, watch through my fingers method. 
as discussed on this very podcast. Yeah, I'm surprised this only got a four out of you, given that you watched conversations with dead people through your fingers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was concerned for you too, Rishi. (laughs) I think the supernatural stuff scares me a little bit more. Uh, This is arguably somewhere between, uh, you know, the serial killer world and the supernatural Mm. world, Mm. which is why it's such a compelling X-File. But I think in general, the um, sort of demons and ghosts stuff I find scarier than the evil people uh though you know logically i should probably be scared more by the monsters that are people (laughs) yeah but like we already have those you know what i mean (laughs) yeah yeah we already have hard proof of those (laughs) it seems like tombs has a little bit from column a and a little bit from column b for you he's really just a yeah you know sampler platter of evil and supernatural also i think like the rating, like for me, the rating is the episode whole, but there are moments in this episode that get five out of five ripped out livers. When mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. when he slithers down. Like when he's ripping out a liver, for example. Uh, yep, yep. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Tombs, we are to believe, did get five out of five livers by the end of this episode. <laughs> but, um, almost, but he almost down... did. He was, he was aiming for them, but Scully, Scully was, uh, he didn't get his quota this time. How, did you see how he looked at that? We'll get there. Um, but yeah, the way he slithered down the chimney is a five. Is my five out of five moment. That was the moment for me that I was like, oh, this is creepy good shit. Yeah. Part of what makes that that moment so good is that there's no special effects. Oh, yeah. there's a. They hired a contortionist to <gasps> do the... What? Oh, yeah. The to dirt, do that The vertical scene. drop in. I didn't know that. I did. Kristen, when you're looking research. up at the opening of the chimney and his arm is literally stretching, that is a special. Well, yes, that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, I know. that is. But I didn't realize that they had a contortionist like fitting into the little space. Yeah, the part where you see his feet go down into the chimney. There's that shot of him, and it's and like yeah. there's the bones snapping and things as he's like mm-hmm. slithering his way down. Uh, that's real. That's practical. That's a real person who's doing that. Yeah. They also selected their angle to make it look a lot narrower than it actually is as well. Very but it's cool. all it's all practical between like that person's performance and the directorial choice. Amazing. Amazing. I'm so excited to hear what you thought of this episode, Kristen, as a first time viewer of it. I loved it. It, it. Like, I mean, clearly I've only seen three, but I texted Jenny and I was like, oh, this is my favorite episode so far by like leaps and bounds. Wow. And we had a whole conversation, which I think is very relevant to some of your thoughts on the series about the fact that this is considered more a like monster of the week episode rather than a large myth arc episode. And from what I gathered, the two of you are very opposite uh, opinions on which are the better. <laughs> No, it's not so much that I I want to say, because I, I know that Jenny really likes the Monster of the Week episodes. Um, it's that my attachment to the X-Files kind of originated in the long arc um, mm. storyline. Back in 2000, I think, or maybe it was 1999, some, some long gone era. <laughs> um, <clears throat> uh, whenever the f- third season of the x-files had been released as a dvd set box set my sister priya and i spent part of my like school break one one december watching uh a lot of x-files she had 
the DVDs for seasons one, two, and then three because she'd gotten it as a Christmas present from our family friend, um, uh, an auntie who would always give DVD box sets uh, for a while. <laughs> and, um, and it started with her giving X-Files DVDs to my sister because my sister loved the X-Files so much. And she had seen a lot of them, and I'd caught a few episodes here and there, but I, I wasn't really a dedicated viewer the way my sister was. There's an Entertainment Weekly issue that came out around the premiere of season three, I think, that has Mulder and Scully on the cover. I believe it's like a silver cover, and they're looking very glamorous. And in that Entertainment Weekly issue, they did a breakdown of all of the episodes of the West, uh, all of the episodes of... <laughs> Freudian slip. All of the episodes <laughs> of the X Files up until that point, with a little summary of each episode and a little uh, key that indicated what kind of episode it was. Like they had a little flying saucer, or it had a little like uh, you know, I think vampire or like mo- something to indicate a monster, monster. You know, different different kinds of uh, like this iconography to show what kind of episode it was. Anyway, my sister and I were interested in like settling down and watching a whole bunch of episodes together. It was my first experience binge watching anything. And we used the Entertainment Weekly guide to go through and watch like in a kind of true binge watching way that you know that we're used to now where there's like a cliffhanger and a cliffhanger and a cliffhanger. We decided to just go through and watch all of the long arc myth episodes one after another and skip all the monster of the week ones because it was you know too much to take up to take a break from from what the next chapter in that story is going to be. Wow. Wow. Did you feel that, like, was it continuous enough in its story for you not to be confused? Yes. Yeah. It felt like it felt pretty natural. Um, I don't think that there was enough stuff covered in the in the Monster of the Week episodes that we ever felt like, what's going on? Also, my sister had already seen all of these episodes. Right. So I, she could, I probably she could, could fill have, in the blanks. She, she yeah. probably could have filled in stuff. But I remember we started, and I remember my mom came out at five in the morning or so, um, you know, in her in her nightgown uh, already, you know, terrible, terrible idea. Um, um, came out in her nightgown uh, and robe and, lo- and like um, looked at us and just like immediately, she's just like, in Marathi, she said, what do you think you're doing? Are have you lost your minds? Do you know what time it is? And instead of being like, whoa, sorry, you know, I immediately like snapped back. I said, I said, mom, I'm only here for like six days. And this is one of the only times I get a chance to spend time with my sister. And we're doing, we're spending quality time together. And if this is how we want to spend it, it should be okay. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> Mothers, let your children spend quality time together and also quality time with special agents Fox Mulder and Dana Scully sim- simultaneously, please. <laughs> That's why season one of The X-Files really has such a special place in my heart. Um, just fondness based on nostalgia and all the stuff. But as a result, it, it was a very long time before I saw the rest of the episodes mm. of season one. And so I've only mm. seen Squeeze, I think, once before. Wow. Wow. Jenny, any uh, additional Monster of the Week, the large myth arc uh, thoughts from you? I, I specifically asked, too, because in Lato- producer LaToya Ferguson also was like, can someone explain to me like how this episode isn't a part of the larger myth arc? So, Right, 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 right. Because uh, LaToya was talking about like, well, it does have a lot to do 
with how Scully is viewed by other people in the FBI, like at the Bureau and, you know, like how all of that kind of like intersects. And of course, the the myth arc episodes like are, you know, heavily <laughs> intersecting with the government uh, and the FBI. Uh, but I, the way that I think about it and, you know, it's been a handful of years since I rewatched a good chunk of this show. So like I'm prepared to be I'm prepared to adjust as needed. Uh, as we go. But what I would say to LaToya or anybody else wondering uh, is that like, if you're watching an episode and there are like aliens and we're talking about the government and maybe like UFO, like two out of three of those, like what's the government doing about aliens? What's the government potentially doing with UFO technology? Uh, and how are they maybe <laughs> trying to keep Mulder and Scully away from information? Uh, having to do with those things uh, and it'll expand as we move forward cool. but like if you take episodes one and two and compare them to tombs I feel like not only we were getting like beginning of series expositional downloads Mulder went to Oxford and is a profiler Scully is a medical mm -hmm. doctor but she never practiced she just joined the FBI uh, Mulder's sister disappeared when he was 12 and she was eight we're like getting all yeah. of that stuff and then all of the, like, here's what happened at Roswell. And did you know that, like, parts from UFOs were allegedly shipped to six different sites? Like, stuff like that. Uh, space and the government. And how are they coming together? And what's Mulder trying to do about it and being prevented from doing? Uh, to me, that's, like, that's where we are in terms of, like, myth arc stuff. Whereas you get tombs and it feels, you know, kind of a lot more like an episode of of Buffy in a mm. lot of way you know what I mean like it's it's uh simpler it's more contained um it's a m more sort of like clear and present evil one thing that is a little bit of connectivity is you know his name is Eugene Toombs so technically he is an ET <gasps> Rishi <Holy> shit Rishi <laughs> I just screamed so loud that I heard my voice like echo off the wall, which is probably not great for audio recording. Uh, Jenny, you really do know you were you were shaking your head right when I started yeah, the no. sentence. <laughs> I, it's it's too we're too close. I I was like, oh, did she already think that this was? Did she already realize this about Eugene's name? But you didn't. But you knew no. I was saying, going somewhere with it. Yeah, I knew you were up to no good. I love that, like, your response, Jenny, is like, eye roll, oh, Rishi. And I'm like, holy shit, that is wild. <laughs> Both can be true. Both can uh -huh, be true. Uh -huh. <laughs> These are the kinds uh -huh. of notes that I kept while watching. Oh, my God. Oh listen, my, God. my notes this, this episode are unhinged. Then my, like, number one through line type of note is how... Okay, Rishi, last episode we learned that as of last episode, Chris Carter called Dana Scully's wardrobe, quote, a work in progress. <laughs> episode three is here and ding, the oven has finished. She is cooked. She looks so outrageously good in every single scene. And that's not like necessarily what we're here to talk about but like isn't it isn't it you know? <laughs> um, uh, i'll give you a little Lindsay report my wife Lindsay yes. watched this episode with me and uh we watched the first three episodes together and 
throughout all of them, but I think especially this episode, she kept on saying, look how cute she is. <laughs> yes. Yes. Hell yes, Lindsay. Yes. I was thinking about Lindsay while I was watching, thinking, <laughs> I bet Lindsay thinks Dana Scully is pretty cool. <laughs> I understand Indeed. that it's a television show, so clearly it's about like figuring out wardrobe and like solidifying looks. But I want you to know that my head canon is that Mulder and Scully are both looking so great in this episode, and it's because they've now had two episodes together and they're trying to impress <laughs> each other. <laughs> that's that's how I've written it. So Okay. In Baltimore, a creepy golden eyed freak is watching from a storm train as a man in a suit walks by, just minding his own damn business. I know the last episode was called Deep Throat, but really, this guy needs to get his mind out of the gutter. Uh, Yeah, I'm just going to call the police in Los Angeles really quick. I'll be right back. Um, So this is Tomb's vision, right? Like, I've referred to it in my notes as Tomb's vision. This That's throughout the episode. And we get the first of it in this scene where it's, like, not in color slash kind of in. It's, like, one of those, like, black and white photos that, like, I don't know, our parents maybe got where, like, the roses that the little boy is holding are, like, colored in pink. (laughs) You know what I mean? Is that just my mom? We have different parents. Yeah, Yeah, it sounds like, Kristen, your parents are uh, women who I went to school with and had posters on their dorm room walls. Honestly, basically, yes. Yeah, isn't that like what the cover of the Twilight books are like? Oh, yeah. Yes, actually. (laughs) So this is like predator vision, right? Mm -hmm. It's a variation on like romance vision. The rest of the world falls away, slips into black and white, and the... uh, liver vessel that is on the future menu uh, remains in vibrant color how exciting find someone who looks at you the way that eugene tombs looks at liver vessels that's a body coming to bring him a special delivery (laughs) oh no so i have a i have a practical question right Uh, This guy goes up to his office, which is somewhere above the first floor, and, you know, he's working late. He's there by himself, and we see the elevator doors open, revealing just elevator cabling, Uh, and the cabling is moving, and, I, you know, the implication is like, oh, some stretchy freak is climbing up that cabling. At least that was my interpretation. My question is, why are the elevator doors open? Can anyone explain this to me? That's the first X file. Yeah, that's yeah. We're gonna have, we're gonna be opening up some some uh, oh, yeah. sub files. I actually have a file. sub file later. Don't worry. Oh, great, 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 great. Uh, my like the thing that I screamed about in this scene. You'd think it would be many gruesome things, but it was actually the fact that this man has a snow globe and inside of it is a globe. Like it was a globe inside of a globe. It thrilled Obsession. me to no end. I was like, what? Oh my gosh. So, and if you were to zoom in close earth? enough on that globe, you would find that man's house and inside his house, you'd find <laughs> another snow globe and in that snow globe, <laughs> that another globe. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God, that made me feel almost as terrified inside as when Jenny told me she had never woken up from her dream a couple episodes ago. <laughs> uh. 
<laughs> a witch put the globe inside a snow globe <laughs> and put it in that man's house. That's the last clip no. in the in the in the zoom in <laughs> is just a witch picking it all up and putting it in Jenny's nightgown. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Okay, okay. Little fingies. Go ahead. Let's talk about little fingies. L- little grubby fingers poking out of this friggin' air vent, unscrewing the screws from the inside, as you do when you're a stretchy little freak. Uh, <laughs> this is this was the stuff of my nightmares as a child. Yeah, very cool. Like the evil you can't keep out, overarching vibes. You can't put up bars. You can't set an alarm system. This little freak will get in anywhere. Yeah, what's your option? Like that kind of security glass that has like chicken wire inside of it glass and chicken wire yeah i was confused about why he couldn't get out of handcuffs does it like take him a minute to work it up work up to stretching i too was confused about that but i'm thinking maybe he doesn't want to show like demonstrate his little abilities in front of civilian well not civilians but non-liver eaters (laughs) fair fair yeah i had the same question and i just assumed somebody was going to be looking at him the whole time so in case he tried to make a move Right. They'd, they'd stop him. But yeah, I was like, doesn't this seem like a poor strategy for a contortionist? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 I thought it must be very convenient to have supernatural abilities when you also happen to be a serial killer cannibal. Like the combination oh, yeah. of these things is yeah. so fortuitous. Or it, mm-hmm. the <laughs> fact that he has the abilities turned him into a serial killer cannibal or he was a serial killer cannibal and something he ate along the way gave him supernatural powers oh <laughs> he got that vitamin stretchy i don't want to get too deep into Kristen's crystal ball yet but <laughs> yeah. he ate he ate another <laughs> serial killer cannibal and and got his superpowers oh. mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. That's the way to do it, like Highlander style. Yeah. All inside of a globe, inside of a globe, inside of yeah. a globe. <laughs> yeah. Or like a, Attack on Titan, which I'm guessing is maybe even too nerdy for Jenny to have watched yet. Correct. Um, the most devastating, brutal, violent show I've ever seen in an animated show. But in it, uh, yeah, there are characters where when they eat another character, they also gain that character's abilities. Nice. Wow. Oh, I'm just thinking about uh, what abilities I would absorb if I sneakily ate Rishi. (laughs) I was like waiting to see who she was going to (laughs) eat. Good thing we established the no touching rule already. Yes, correct. (laughs) I'm safe. (laughs) But think about how uh, rich my baritone voice and how full my beard would become. (laughs) Hey, aren't you all a little bit sad that Agent Tom Colton didn't get eaten by Mm. Eugene Toomes at any point? Wouldn't that have been the ultimate, you know, comeuppance for, for that guy? This fucker. That would have been satisfying. This guy sucks. Yeah, he reminds me of um, in the iconic film Dirty Dancing, 
the guy Robbie, Robbie, who gets Penny pregnant and is like, eh, fuck off mm. and just wants to keep up appearances. Like th- it was the immediate thought that I had as soon as Tom Colton opened his stupid, stupid <laughs> mouth was Robbie <laughs> from Dirty Dancing. Hate that guy. Um, <clears throat> This is guys played by Donald Logue. And so all I could think about was all the things that I love Donald Logan and what a baby he is here. Although I had uh, also seen him in Sneakers in which he's also a baby playing uh, Dr. Gunter Janik. Janik actually is how they pronounce it in the in the movie. Janik, he's the cryptographer guy. Have you have you either of you seen Sneakers? I uh, know. Haven't oh. had the pleasure. Sneakers is <laughs> amazing. <laughs> amazing. Such one of the I love it so much. It holds a very special place in my heart. It's from 1992. Listen to this cast. It's crazy. Robert Redford, Dan Aykroyd, Ben Kingsley, Mary McDonald, mm. River Phoenix, Sidney Poitier. What? Wow. David Strathairn. And like not even worthy of being in the on the poster way down on the list is baby Donald Logue. Wow. It's so great. Okay. that That's enough on sneakers. But that's the first time <laughs> yeah. I saw Donald Logue. And and Latoya uh, gave a giant cheer for this character actor as well. Her her specific note was character actor Donald Logue is here. Yay! Character actor Doug Hutchison is here. Boo! <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Fair. The dichotomy. I texted Jenny during this scene um, at the restaurant, and I said, "So far, the scariest thing about this episode is that Scully is flirting with someone who is not Mulder, and I am <gasps> mad." What the <laughs> fuck, Scully? Why is she flirting, or is she just catching up with an old pal? My second viewing, I decided that she simply is trying to get on the good side of folks that can help her figure stuff out. And that I'm here for. But the first time I watched it, it felt like flirting to me. And A, I was upset because Mulder is here. And B, I was upset because this guy is such a jerk. (laughs) I like the idea of Kristen imposing like Mike Pence rules on Scully. (laughs) Mike Pence's, you know, um, yeah. rule that she he, shouldn't have lunch with other men. Yeah, he can't dine yeah, no. alone with other women. And so <laughs> similarly, <laughs> this is a violation. Uh, what's a violation is the amount of gel in Tom Colton's mm-hmm. hair. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A thousand percent. Oh, so this is also the scene where apparently I was texting everyone during this scene. Oh, no, I wasn't texting Rishi. I tweeted, which is the same thing as texting. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But I, I tweeted asking about Colton says, it, you know, if if uh, you haven't had any close encounters of the third kind. And I was like, wait, hold up. What is the first and the second kind? Uh, Rishi, you had an opinion. Do you want to uh, share with the class what your oh, yeah. response was? <laughs> <laughs> is that if, <laughs> right. If, uh, if, if, what, what did you, you said, what are close encounters of the first and second kind though? And I said, I think first is kissing and second is under the shirt. <laughs> so, so close encounters of the third kind is finger banging. Yep. <laughs> that's literally oh the first God. thought that I had. Yep. Well, that's why the stick, you know, <gasps> the Stretchy, fingies. The fingies. <laughs> oh, shit. <The> better t- <laughs> um extending my uh Kristen gets really excited about believing even more in extraterrestrials jaunt do you know about the first and second kind and like who came up with the system either of you 
Who came up with the I system? I would love to know. So, okay. So this astronomer at Ohio State University, uh, this guy, J. Allen Hynek, uh, he was an advisor to the Air Force and the director of Ohio State University's Macmillan Observatory. And the Air Force came to this guy to help it investigate UFOs. And he, in his research, went from skeptic to someone who said there might be something to all of this. And he's the one who came up with the classification. And the uh, close encounters of the first kind is you spawn something in the sky, it leaves no evidence. You just saw you saw it and you're telling other people, I saw it. Hmm. The second kind is a UFO leaves a physical trace of some kind, burns on the ground, broken branches. Mm-hmm. And Crop the third, circle. Mm, mm, yep. <laughs> yep. And uh, the third kind is you make contact with a UFO. You see uh, some alien pilot aboard one or other life form. Like you, you, you actually see uh, the alien. You actually touch the UFO. This is, I guess, the biggest of all encounters. Wow. Touch the UFO. <laughs> if you can touch it, it's third kind. <laughs> Have you seen Close Encounters of the Third Kind? I haven't, but after reading about this, clearly, like, when I Googled it, that was the first thing that came up, and I was right. like, oh, we need to have, like, a whole series of, like, watching fun alien movies, you know? Yeah, and maybe you could just throw sneakers in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <sighs> so Tom Colton has an out, th- an out there case. Uh, he's telling Scully that, you know... Some kind of serial killing is happening. The victims vary uh, in age, race, and gender. Uh, Latoya was uh, quick to point out footage not found. Everyone is white. Everyone in this entire episode is white. So very white. Uh, The the man that was murdered in the office was actually, uh, his door was locked from the inside. And every victim has had their their liver ripped out, and no cutting tools were used. Just barehanding, just going in, uh, straight fingered, grasping the liver, can one of and our, yanking it out. Can one of our like mathematician, scientist, physicist people that listen to this let us know what this is? Sorry, I just want to know like what force would you have to have to like push your hand through another person's stomach? Is that possible? Right. Do we want to know? Actually, is this a question (laughs) we want to ask? But this is one of the superpowers that isn't really dwelled on um, later in the episode. You know, like we got the stretchy guy aspect, but the um, sheer strength or like weird, um, you know, razor blade fingertips or something that it would require to do that uh, never kind of gets explored. (gasps) Oh. If you can stretch your fingies really oh, long, can you oh, also make them really, really pointy. pointy? Yes. But again, would have been it would have been good to see that. That I was wondering actually. I was like, how is he unscrewing the screw from the inside? But he could have been he could have made it into a little Phillips head <laughs> on the ah. other side. <laughs> oh my god, suddenly like Tombs is just go go gadget, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, you had mentioned early in the pilot episode uh, of this podcast about the similarities between um, Scully and Clarice Starling. And I thought oh, yeah. the eating of the liver really brings the Silence of the Lambs into this show in an even more profound way. Uh, though I would argue that Hannibal Lecter is many things, but one of them is a gentleman. <laughs> 
<laughs> and he would never behave like tombs. In defense of Hannibal Lecter by Jenny Owen Youngs, <laughs> he would simply never make a bile nest. No. It wouldn't happen. <laughs> Tom Colton, this little shit, he wants Mulder's opinions and help, but he doesn't want to ask for it. He doesn't want to be connected with Mulder in any way. So he's like, Scully, maybe you could help me out. And if, you know, you're hanging out with that guy that you're always hanging out with maybe he could come by too i guess whatever no big deal wait does tom colton have a crush on Mulder? <laughs> have you ever met an fbi agent so deeply insecure i've never met an fbi agent that i'm aware of <laughs> i met one one time. i meant you know on screen yeah <laughs> oh yeah no no they're they're usually much more comfortable in their own skin yeah uh, oh, I love guy. this take, though, cr- that his whole angle is like just getting closer to this guy who's like really, really spooky, but he just wants to be near for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you like the sexual tension take. <laughs> Always. <laughs> yeah. Very dependable. Uh, and, and Tom thinks if he can crack this case, he'll get a bump up the ladder. And then he says to Scully, maybe you won't have to be Mrs. Spooky anymore. So what? He gets a bump up the ladder and then she can be Mrs. Tom Colton yeah. instead. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Scully doesn't need you, sir, to ascend. Petition yeah. for Mrs. Spooky Mulder t-shirts in the Buffering Rewatch adventure store. Thank you. It does seem. Could you also make one unavoidable. for me that says Mr. Dana Scully? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or Mr. Medical Doctor. Uh-huh. <laughs> Her, that's her uh, Christian name. Yep. <laughs> okay. Oh, my God. Everyone, please brace yourselves. At the crime scene, Scully is wearing this light blue shirt, and it's buttoned all the way up, and her cross necklace is on under the collar, but on the outside of the buttons, but, like, very close to her throat. And then she's wearing this black cardigan over it, and she looks outstanding she looks amazing i almost want to get murdered so that she would come investigate you know what i mean that's true fandom this is like i mean Mulder in this episode is my favorite Mulder so far granted i only have three on the books but his like messing around with colton slash anyone else is delightful to me and this like (laughs) colton being like oh is it a little green men and him just being like it's actually gray um due to iron depletion the reticulum galaxy they need livers (laughs) so so delicious so good A, a subtler troll did you guys happen to notice that Mulder is wearing like a latex uh you know examination glove and he shakes Colton's hand with the glove and it like makes this like latexy noise. It's so good. Oh my god. <laughs> Incredible. Um yeah, and we we find our first uh stretchy fingy print. I was so excited because this is in our logo and like when we made the X-Files logo, the X-Files logo, Jenny had to pick out all of the iconography that went in it because like I didn't know. And so to be able to tick, I have sunflower seeds and now I also have stretchy fingerprint. Uh, and kind of a cigarette ashtray with the sm- with the cigarette. Mm, mm-hmm. um, so I'm just very happy playing my little private game of bingo with our logo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're collecting them all. Yeah. Tremendous news. Incredible news. 
everyone. Uh, Mulder happens to already have an X-File kicking around uh, featuring murders from both 30 and 60 and maybe even 90 years ago with long, stretchy fingerprints involved. <laughs> Incredible. This doesn't count as a slideshow, right? Like, because it's just on the light board. <laughs> the slides are just on the board. They, it doesn't count. Yeah, no, no, no. Okay. This is this is not a slideshow. So we're going to need a little handheld clicker, okay. and we're going to need <laughs> a monologue great, great, for great. it to count. Perfect. Mulder says, what's the first thing we learned at the Academy? That every fingerprint is unique. Did they not know that <laughs> before they went to the Academy? <laughs> I'm worried. <laughs> Um, all right. So like, right, kind of like off to the races, I think more quickly in this episode than than episodes to date than the first two where like Mulder's like, we're doing our investigation and they can do ours. Like we're going to do our private little thing. And then Scully starts typing on her computer. I was like, what time is it? We just got here. She's already writing up a report. Yeah. 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 Uh, Cue the Sex in the City theme. (laughs) (laughs) Clickety-clack, clickety-clack. Scully's working on a profile, right, to help them find this person. Uh, And she's firing all kinds of stuff off. Above average intelligence, maybe hiding in plain sight, posing as a delivery or maintenance worker. Uh, Weirdly, notably, she leaves out the part about the really long fingerprints. (laughs) That's her choice. And then she says the liver possesses regenerative qualities it cleanses the blood and she sees him taking the liver as him kind of like cleansing himself uh which i thought was a really great guess and not right carry on (laughs) sounded like some Kristen's crystal bullshit to me you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like i respect i respect her but it it seemed like a far reach she is not the agency's number one profiler (laughs) No, she's uh, second at best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But she does make a suggestion that really pays off in a little bit. She thinks that the killer might get frustrated when he can't find a victim and will return to the site of a previous kill to relive the excitement. Also, she says that the killer is probably between 25 and 35 years of age. And she's both right and wrong. And wrong. Incredible. Truly. But I love that she gets that right on mm-hmm. the surface of things. Oh, I'm skipping ahead, but I also love how Mulder is so down to say that she's right. You know, later yeah. on. Just yes. Yeah. Very I'm hot. Sure we'll talk about Very cool. Yeah. yeah. You know what sure it takes we'll to, to do that? Uh, security. Yes. Like Correct. Personal confidence. 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 Yeah. You can't imagine Colton admitting, giving somebody else credit. No, definitely not. Um, I'm going to give credit to yet another unbelievable Scully Ensemble in this in this conference room, she is wearing a light gray suit jacket over a black crisscrossy blouse, and it just is perfect. I don't usually do this the whole frigging episode all the way through, <laughs> but it's just like 100 after 100. You know what I mean? I love the buttoned up to the top shirt choices. They're just, it's great. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And Jenny, I'm so delighted that you are losing your mind over Scully because like, I, f- I felt like maybe I would be the one in that role primarily. And I'm just, I'm stoked that you're losing no, no, it no. for I'm outfit. All in. Are mm-hmm. you kidding? Please. Please. Um, 
This parking garage I refer to as one artsy parking garage. What are all these holes? There's just decorative <laughs> art holes in the parking garage. <laughs> um, I also want to know in the FBI, do they give you a car or is this like Scully's car? Hmm. Well, they're in Baltimore. Right. So it's probably Scully's car. I we do. We will see them throughout the series. I talked about this actually on stage a couple of times while Rishi and I <laughs> were playing shows together last year. How Mulder and Scully are just always at the like FBI pick up a car at the local FBI bureau <laughs> office desk. They're just always picking up a car. Okay. So which is, you know, a background detail, but not in this episode. It's just like such a pi car i there's a pi who lives in my neighborhood and he has a little pi what i know it's really exciting as all i do is try to investigate this private investigator i'm like obsessed (laughs) with this man he like parks his car is always either parked on the street or in his driveway and the other car that belongs to this house is a neon yellow mustang this man is like he looks kind of like what's his face from um back to the future the uh, doc, oh, brown. doc doc brown yeah um anyway his car is like this vibe and it has like a fucking pi sticker on the back of it that's all it's similar to the did the abilities make you a serial killer or, to- <laughs> or is it just a matter of convenience it's like yes. do you get the car because that's your job or because you love that car does that become your job <laughs> deep Kristen does Mulder wearing like kind of like a brown sport coat over like a plaid shirt qualify as casual dress for you? Well, here, let me tell you my literal note on this outfit. It's in all caps, Jenny. And the note is Mm. this outfit on Mulder. Do not tell me he is not trying to flirt flannel under a blazer. So (laughs) I would consider it casual in that it is not like I'm going to work only, um, but I would consider it intent flirt, intent to flirt. Great, 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 great. Mulder thinks Mulder thinks this is a dead end uh, because the killer has already like beaten the challenge of getting into this building. But oh, who's that banging around in the air duct? None other than a really clammy looking Eugene Tombs. Yeah. Mulder thought there's no reason for this guy to return to the scene of the crime, but sometimes you just need to vent. Oh. (laughs) It's like, I feel it like a sneeze coming on. You know what I mean? (laughs) Somebody else's sneeze. I I don't know. (laughs) I don't know if either of you could have this experience uh, because you've, you've both seen it before, but I was absolutely convinced that this was like a raccoon or something. Like I, I really, at this point in my watch was like, clearly it's, they're going to open it up and it's going to be like this LOL moment where (laughs) literally a red herring is going to flop out. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I was like pretty stoked when he just crawled right out. He just came right out. Here he is. Eugene Toombs. She did it. <laughs> yeah. You're like, and we're only we're so early in the episode. How did you already catch the guy? <laughs> oh, and my what are we um, gonna do for the other yeah. <laughs> 30 minutes? <laughs> my other X file is what happened to the cat that was dead in the vents of this uh, office building. Okay. I would like more oh, information. It was just doing cat stuff. R.I.P. So back at the bureau, it's polygraph time, right? 
Uh, and we learned some things. And we watch Eugene take this polygraph test. Uh, we learned that he is an animal control officer. And he's just like acing this test. In fact, the only questions that he doesn't ace are the Mulder inserts. Are you over 100 years old? <laughs> and have you? were you at Powhatan Mill in 1933? <laughs> so nobody is convinced uh, by the validity of Mulder's questions and they release him. Mulder bends over the polygraph test under the lights and it gives us an incredible view of his once again voluminous glossy hair mm -hmm. uh it looks so good and since you're here rishi i'll just tell the listeners in case they're not intimately familiar <laughs> with your glorious head of hair that you are the person i know in my life <laughs> whose hair uh is the most like 1993 david Duchovny. Wow. uh could i ask for a bigger compliment i don't i don't think so i mean there couldn't be a better compare a better head of hair to be compared to <laughs> No, no, no. I mean, his is beautiful and so is yours. And it's an honor and a privilege to be <laughs> to be so close to such a glorious man. Um, I wanted to wait until this episode to share with our listeners a post on Reddit, which is titled How to Style Your Hair Like Fox Mulder from <gasps> the episode The Pilot. So technically, this is about an episode, a couple episodes ago, but this is an in-depth, many photos a long journey that has been chronicled, uh, how often to cut it, you know, how often, to, like how long to let it grow out. Uh, how, to there get are, the, there are, how to get the tasteful little one dude, thing of hair. Oh my God, you like did it hangs. while you were saying that. <laughs> there are, there are literal like outline drawings of David's head and hair shapes from all different angles with like, with like inch markings of like okay it should be three inches long on the top it should be two inches at the side and here's where it should be one inch and here's the outline of sort of like how the it's not like a chop but like where your hair comes in front of your ear a little bit like it's extremely detailed and i thought we could put it in our show notes oh hell yeah i really For anybody appreciate the effort that went into this yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, people want to have David Duchovny slash Rishikesh Hirway's hair. <laughs> and who can blame them? And why would anyone stand in the way when they're sitting on, you know, a Smaugian treasure trove of hair knowledge like this? Um, okay, so all of this talk of uh, David Duchovny's hotness and um, mm -hmm. the, the lie detector brings to mind a clip that I recently just rewatched from a few years ago. Are, are either of you aware of or have seen the Vanity Fair um, video where they hook up Hassan Minhaj to a lie detector and then they ask him different questions? No. No. Um, could I play this for you? Please. Hell yeah. When referring to your good looks, this man, Dax Shepard, called you a 9 out of 10. Does it bother you that he didn't call you a 10? No. I think that he was going way too high. Do you know how you would rate him? That's not fair. That's not, not That's not a fair. Okay, you guys really did your research for this. Because you had to listen to the podcast. I would give Dax... I have to give a number. 6.57. Harsh. Wow. He's this... Okay, Dax is part of a thing. 
where in show business, there's this whole movement of like approachable white dudes. Whereas with like men of color, it's like Idris Elba, Henry Golding, Zayn Malik, or you're, you work in IT. There's no middle. You know how there's a whole class of white dudes of just like schlubby dudes who went to high school with me, but now made it in showbiz? There's no like that. You gotta have like the V taper in your abs if you're gonna be Asian. And you gotta be like Daniel Day Kim. Have you seen that photo where he, he flexed his pecs like this and he can hold the pencil? You gotta be Daniel Day Kim ripped. Like you can't ever have bread or cereal. So do you think you're better looking than Dax? Do I think? Yes, I'm looking at Dax, yes. Yes, but I, I will not get the same opportunities that Dax does. I'm sorry, I'm so sorry, Dax. I'm really sorry. <laughs> oh my God, incredible. <laughs> anyway, I think about that and I think about the sort of modern beauty standards that I have to try to live up to. Um, they go way beyond uh, David Duchovny's hair. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Also, I just like... I know, I know to expect only greatness from you, Rishi, but the fact that we were just engaged in a conversation about a lie detector test and comparing your hair to David Duchovny's and you were like, I've preloaded this clip that seems kind of relevant is just, I, like, who can compete with this man? <laughs> Incredible. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG-13. Hey, it's Mae Whitman, and I play Frankie in the new Realm podcast, The Sisters. The Sisters is about a museum curator of medical oddities who investigates the origins of a mutated skeleton with two layers of bones. Soon, she uncovers an extraordinary mystery that connects her present with one family's tragic past in hauntingly dangerous ways. Listen to The Sisters wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, uh, A, I hope to never have to take a lie detector test. I'm convinced I would fail every question simply because I would convince myself that no matter what I answered was a lie. You know, <laughs> totally, also, totally. Also, they would call you on being over 100 years old, probably. <laughs> well, yeah. As we see here, immediately. <laughs> immediately. Uh, yeah. I, as a person who has never walked through uh, <laughs> tag detectors leaving a store thinking, I don't have anything on me. I've never thought that one time. Every time I leave a store, I'm like, I hope that I didn't accidentally steal something. I don't want to go to jail. Uh, have you ever? Did you ever? Me. Did the, is that because of an experience that you had where the detector did go off and then you? No. Um, you've never once been. No, no. Wow. <laughs> I've never been caught. I've never been. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, this just this just naturally populated in my brain uh, because based on, you know, my my built in, burned in mm -hmm. 
belief that sure. I'm, I'm bad yeah. obviously <laughs> so Have bad you, you can, can see. steal without even doing it it can just happen <laughs> to you <laughs> totally i feel like the ultimate test for you jenny would be to go into the one of those like new weird amazon stores where you don't mm. go to a register at all you just like take whatever you want and leave mm-hmm mm-hmm I'm scared. Yeah. Just even thinking about it. I can it. see it. I can see it. You would like find employees somehow and be like, is this okay though? If I like, I just go. I... Yeah. Yep. Before we leave the lie detector zone, I just need to give a small shout out to this woman who runs the lie detector, both for her composure. <laughs> love her. I love her. She's so composed. Her voice is totally different when she's doing the test versus when she's just hanging out with her pals mm. from the FBI. And her mm-hmm. suit is unbelievable. It is like this like floral. It's just it's I just love her. That's all. Dude, that scarf looking like looking like <laughs> looking like she got married and told her husband, you can never see me without the scarf. Don't ask me to take the scarf off. I told you not to t- ask me to take the scarf off. And then one night he holds a candle and creeps into her bedroom holding a candle, slowly untying the scarf. And then her decapitated head, which was held on by the scarf, goes rolling across the room. Her eyes fly open and she looks at him and says, I told you not to ask about the scarf. That's what's going on here. First. Also, she has great Sharpie technique. I wanted to give a shout out oh. to that. Oh, yeah. Oh, Rishi, those two little lines that she put yes. in between. Oh, my God. Yep. Yeah. That's my shit. Yes. That is my yeah. shit. Mm-hmm. Mine, too. Yeah. After they after they release Tombs, Colton is, like, all fucking huffy. And he's like, you coming, Scully? <laughs> and she's like, just call me Mrs. Spooky, please. <laughs> and tells Colton to fuck off. Hell, yeah. Yeah. This guy's uh, insane, he says, literally right in front of Mulder. Like, how is how are all of these officers just high school bullies? Like, it's just 100% high school bullies. Actually, can I expand on that quote, mm-hmm. Kristen? He says, you said Mulder was out there. That guy's insane. Colton, you know what else is out there? The truth. Hell yes. Oh God, we're here. We're here. The we come to it at last. The moment. Just grab her around the world. <laughs> who wants to? Who wants to talk about it? Who wants to talk about it? Rishi wants to talk about it. <laughs> I wrote, uh, "Mulder adjusting Scully's necklace!" Exclamation point! Question mark! Exclamation point! Question mark! <laughs> with his finger so close to her chest! Exclamation point! Exclamation point! Exclamation point! Question mark! HR. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we yeah. often call to check in um in this podcast feed with hr but you know you'll allow they're it. best friends <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'll allow it well you know context i uh, know i'm like Mulder. i'm wearing a necklace actually yeah. <laughs> well okay that's the thing about this necklace grab is that i feel like I, I understand that it's also a very important item because we need it to connect the whole thing but yeah. scully wears this necklace so many more times after this happens it just seems unscully like i feel like she's like oh he likes this necklace i'm gonna wear this necklace and oh. right right after this necklace grab is the biggest flirtation we've had to date, in my personal opinion. I give Wait, it a you think after you don't think this is the biggest flirtation well, moment? <laughs> I think that this could have gone one of two ways. Like, I mean, 
you know, it was a bold move. Some might say, HR might say, <laughs> not okay. <laughs> but the minute they turn and go up the stairs, he's like, well, before they go up, he's like, if you want to stay with these guys, I won't hold it against you. And then they start going up the stairs and she's like, I don't know, you like have, obviously you have more to tell me. So I want to see what it is. And then they get significant eye contact. They got it in this moment. <gasps> yep. Yep. Third episode, second time I've used it. Well, actually yeah. third, because they got it twice in the first episode, significant eye contact. There is also, I just, I'm just remembering now the a moment, because I watched these kind of out of order. I watched this episode and then I went back and started over again. Uh, so it's a little jumbled in my mind. But when she disrobes in front of him to show him her chicken pox alien marks mm-hmm. and that as like that's okay right like there's real medical concern you got to just sometimes do what you got to do but then when he says they're mosquito bites you know remember what she does she leans into him she mm-hmm. puts her head on his shoulder mm-hmm. and that has already yeah. happened which makes me also think yeah. that like maybe this is within bounds of their that was in the first episode, right? Yeah. Yeah. First yeah. episode, episode 1. So, you know. It, yeah, there's a lot there's a lot happening um here. Oh, yeah. That I'm waiting for it. I'll wait till we get yeah. there. They did not get Jenny's text about no touching. <laughs> I would never send that text to them. <laughs> <laughs> Mainly cuz it's 1993. Yeah. <laughs> I, there are no texts. <laughs> Flirtations to the side. I do really like what he says to Scully about oh, what did they he have say going words? on. Because my yeah. whole <laughs> mind just went blank for a minute. I experienced nine minutes of lost time. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually what caused it in the first episode. It was yeah. just a very, very flirtatious touch. Uh. <laughs> uh, he says, In our investigations, you may not always agree with me. But at least you respect the journey. Mm. Hot. 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 Relationships built on respect and necklace touching. And it, <laughs> it like it's full circle with the like him saying you were right. Like it I feel like they really go hard on it in this episode that these two are pointed in the same direction with different methods of getting there and they have respect for each other. It's beautiful. And my favorite, mm-hmm. my favorite moment of Scully flirting with Mulder is actually when she talks to Colton, when she, <laughs> when she threatens him. Oh, it's so great. Just so, <laughs> such a wonderful um, use of legitimacy as a weapon against this guy. Um, th- this guy who's sort of trying to hide behind the air of legitimacy and like what is allowed and what is right and what is proper and what is, you know, logical. And then Scully uses the structures of the FBI to put this guy in his place and say, Oh, you're obstructing another agent's investigation. And you know, I'm going to write you up and it's just so good. She's using, she's using the very language. Oh, so good. Hell yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. This is also uh, the episode where I learned what it looks like when you put fingerprints into a computer at the FBI. This is what it looks like. You can just stretch them out and then maybe they'll fit and there'll be a match and they'll be like, beep, 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 yeah. beep. I'm shocked that no one said enhance during yeah. this yeah. 
Oh, oh, the hundred percent match is so yes. good. It's so good. <laughs> it's like it's like because the program that they use to match fingerprints happens to also have like a Photoshop stretch and compress tool <laughs> right. built into it. They have both. <laughs> just in case. Just in case. Uh, just, just in, in case. case. You what never if, know. What if it, the fingerprint is a close match, but you have to do a little stretchy fingy accommodation? <laughs> Computer, uh, stretchy fingy in hands. Stretch- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh no. Let's another take liver, a field trip. Another liver's down. Liver <laughs> alone. You know what I mean? To the house of a man <sighs> with a tombs uh, waiting, golden-eyed, uh, watching the driveway. He tombs climbs up. The exterior brick. I don't know if he's climbing up just the chimney or if the whole house. Yeah, yeah. He's climbing up the chimney. It's bricked. Uh, my fellow boulderers. What do you think? This is like a V8? A V9? <laughs> what do we got going on here? I have seen people like on TikTok climb brick, uh, but I did not get a sense of what their general climbing level was like. So I'm just wondering how impressed should I be with tombs here? Is it paranormal impressed or is it just like a really good Free advanced solo. boulder with incredible <laughs> finger strength? Does V does the scale go up to V10? Wow, the the highest grade of bouldering right now, according to a quick Googling, it goes up to V17, but right I've never now. seen anything above like a V10 or V11, I think. All right. Um, okay. I just looked at my next note, which is to myself. I need to know more about tombs is what I've written down on my on my notes here. <laughs> that does seem um uh like good yeah. protection preparation. This is um small shout out to this man's nineteen eighties glass deco glass art deco door. What is that door doing inside of a house? Uh, especially this house. <laughs> like this house has like like 19 columns 30 40s like little door uh, uh, you know moldings and stuff and then all of a sudden this fucking door this glass one massive frosted glass door decorated with sort of like very modern feeling diagonal rectangles and shit between the kitchen and the living room you that's guys, exactly what the vibe you want between your kitchen and your living room. This is a very uh, Margot and Todd from Christmas Vacation style <laughs> door, you know? <laughs> True. True. This man also has swords on his mantle. Ooh. He has two samurai swords. This is his, this is his bachelor pad. This guy is single, you know? He's he's spending all his money on swords and glass doors. <laughs> he d- he does have the air of a man whose wife recently left <laughs> Again. He, is, he is drinking his after work whiskey with a with a very specific <laughs> vibe of desperation and sorrow once again i have to ask is he single because of the swords and the door <laughs> <laughs> of the door <laughs> okay oh fuck oh my favorite uh santa santa from hell moment is right here him smooshing down this chimney this is my favorite scene in the episode love it so this is the guy that they hired um that this is the shot that we were talking about they hired this contortionist named pepper to actually um give us give them some insight on you know what is possible and um 
and they said that he just did it right in front of them. Like before they even realized he was just like, zoop. He zooped oh. down the fire tube. He zooped down the fire tube? Yes. Okay. I. <laughs> that changes my rating, my scary rating. Like when I thought yeah, that it makes was it like a six out of five. Yeah. When I thought it was like smoke and mirrors, I was like three and a half. Now I'm like, get me out of here. I actually don't want to make this podcast anymore. <laughs> Fuck this. <laughs> yeah. Okay. In the morning, same location, Colton is here to investigate, and he is clearly pitching a little fit. He's very frustrated. When Mulder gets there, we get this awesome shit from Scully that Rishi uh, referenced, and Mulder's like, oh, what's the matter, Colton? Don't want me in your case? You're afraid I'm going to solve it for you? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, how do they, I, I mean, we, we won't solve this case, but like, how do they even know anything happened to this guy? Who, who tipped him off? This guy lives by himself. He's without a liver. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. His wife left. <laughs> his wife left. Maybe she came back for her swords and found him. <laughs> um, yeah. Latoya noted this in her notes, a very nice moment from Scully, which I think aligns with them, with Mulder and Scully being pointed in the same direction. This giant bag of poop is what I refer to him in my notes as in this scene. Says, look, Dana, whose side are you on? And she's like, the victims. So good. So good. Yeah. It's yeah. just yeah. burn. Uh, he asked the question and I was like, what is she going to say? I was like, is she going to say the truth is what I, where I was? I was like, is that where she's going to go? And then she said the victims. I was like, no, that's the best answer you could ever give. And of course, that's yes. right. Dana yes. is an A plus student. Hell yeah. They see a fingerprint before they leave. Oh, yeah. And Mulder also notices that something is missing from the mantle. <laughs> He's just like the shape of something. Uh, Four that little used dogs. to be here. Oh, yeah. He's like, as a uh, bachelor with swords myself, I can <laughs> deeply profile this person. And I can tell <laughs> he would have yes. had something right here. <laughs> Um, <laughs> microfiche o'clock part one is my next scene. <laughs> That's right. We, I had a lot of fun pausing this and taking all my notes on tombs. Uh, date of birth unknown, never married. Uh, dog catcher. He was a dog catcher. This is a 1903 document. Dude, we're working in 30 year increments and he apparently works for animal control every 30... 30- Years, how long is he not hibernating for? Does he unhibernate, eat five livers really quick, and then go back to sleep for 30 years? What kind of life is that? Yeah, what's he accomplishing? You'd think he'd, and how does he keep getting the same job over and over again? He has to unhibernate for long enough to establish a new identity and residence for them to document. (laughs) Also, wouldn't you want to like spread it out a little bit? Like, and like, why have a job if all you need to survive is like eating livers? Well, you think he just really likes doggies? Yeah, like what? <laughs> it's just like some self care, you know. He just like needs to spend mm-hmm. some time with innocent animals. Wants to feel like a productive member of society mm-hmm. in between liver hibernations. Yeah, <laughs> maybe it's a season. Maybe it's like one season. You know, much like bears hibernate every year. But they hibernate for one season. You know, he maybe he's around for three of the seasons. Then he goes into his bile nest mm. and comes out 30 years later. He's just got a much longer nestation period. 
Nestation. <laughs> Nestation. Oh my God. That's good. <sighs> All right. <laughs> he lives at 103 Exeter Street. Well, he lives at 66 Exeter Street, excuse me, apartment 103 on this old record from 1903. Cool. Season one, episode three. That's fun. Oh, uh, <laughs> that is fun. <laughs> Uh, and Scully comes in and she's like, mm, guess what? He didn't live at the address that he gave us. It was a cover and he hasn't shown up for work uh, since he was arrested. So what do we do, Mulder? Mulder suddenly like he doesn't have his glasses on in this moment, but I feel like he should. How do we learn about the present, <laughs> Scully? We look to the past. <laughs> Introducing my favorite character in this whole episode, uh, Frank Briggs. You're a you're a Briggs guy. Tell just, me more. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy is incredible. I think uh, he's played by an actor named Henry Beckman, um, and he just feels so real. I mean, for whatever, um, you know, I I love Donald Logue. I think he's great, and I've seen him in so so many things, and think think he's fantastic. But watching him feels a little bit like I'm watching a guy on a TV show. But when Mm -hmm. they go to interview Frank Briggs, it feels like something else. It feels like this is not an actor and they've really found this old detective and he's just telling them these horror stories. He he just, I I don't know. I I thought this performance was so good and so understated um, and, and lived in and uh, yeah. Let's, uh, let's hear a tiny clip from this guy because I think, because I agree. I, I felt like they didn't have to, I don't know, go as hard with this character as they did and that it was very enjoyable. Uh, this is this is him describing how he felt when he walked into uh, the room in 1933. When I walked into that room, my heart went cold. My hands numbed. I could feel it. You feel what, Frank? When I first heard about the death camps in 1945, I remembered Powhatan Mill. When I see the Kurds and the Bosnians, that room is there, I tell you. It's like all the horrible acts that humans are capable of somehow gave birth to some kind of human monster. I just think that's it's again. Yeah, this is this is really my favorite part of the episode because it lets in something from outside of the world of sci-fi or something you know it acknowledges i know serial killers are a, a real thing but just this idea of like it's you know it's the banality of evil uh making its way mm. into our into our story here and uh like this truly the scariest thing that could be introduced and just the way that he says it the horror that he the horror that he witnessed i don't know i believe it all in, in yeah. his delivery yeah yeah same and mm-hmm. you know in horror i mean i don't i i have not had a lot of experience with sci-fi i mean clearly way more in the last six years or so but i i've loved horror in a lot of forms for a long time and this idea of like the personification of the evilest 
that humans are capable of in in one in one being in one form uh, is not unfamiliar to me, and and I I think it's really very powerful. I promise this will be my last anime reference um, of this. <laughs> yeah, <episode>. right. <laughs> but um, that that also reminds me of the show Jujutsu Kaisen. Um, I don't know if you two have watched that show Jujutsu Kaisen um, but it's great it's a relatively new anime and I just just to tell you a little bit uh, about it because I think it would actually really appeal to um, um, Buffy fans too uh, it's a show about yeah. um, you know basically kids who are who have to fight curses these you know, like evil creatures but the way those curses are created is really fascinating let me read this little description here. Curses form from large collections of negative human emotions or energy, making schools and hospitals hotspots because of all the pain and suffering that happens there. And and wow. and so when there's enough of this like negative energy, they transform into these monsters mm. that are created from human suffering. Damn. That's And then they incredible. have to fight them. Yeah, it's it's great. Anyway, and that that this line made me feel like that was kind of setting up this, uh, this idea. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow, my favorite thing about Detective Frank Briggs is that in his boxes of evidence from the nineteen thirty three and nineteen sixty three murders is a jar that holds a piece of a removed liver, and I'm wondering. Why was this left behind? Wouldn't it have been consumed? Mm. Does anyone know mm. why this liver was jarred? Oh, maybe the, maybe the, maybe uh, Tombs like picked someone, went to go eat the liver, and then they had, you know, like in um, The Only Lovers Left Alive, there's this like really awesome piece of vampire mythology that's that's uh unique to that film which is that because he, people are so unhealthy uh and like the world is so polluted and stuff in the modern era vampires like can't just feed on random people because the blood be can be toxic to them so they like have to like make deals with people who work at hospitals and get like donor blood that's been like tested and you know purified Cleaned. and everything exactly so like maybe Tombs took a little nibble of this liver and was like, oh, there's something bad in there. Oh, <laughs> there's like, something that's not going to help me out. That's not going to sustain me for the next 30 years. And so instead he was just like, I'll just make a cute little liver jar like I saw in uh, Martha Stewart magazine <laughs> or whatever. Maybe he saw it in the movie Only Livers Left Alive. Oh, she walked right into God. it. She walked right into it. Um, also, what if, what if like Scully, like what happens to Scully a couple scenes from now just happened to him in one of the 33 or 63 incidences? Like maybe he killed the person, but like was somebody was coming in to catch him, you know? And so the liver was left behind. No. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um... The biggest thing that this guy has is two pictures, one of Tombs <laughs> and one of Tombs' apartment. Yep, so Tombs in front of an animal control truck in 
he's like, this is what he would have looked like 30 years ago, though. So you're going to have to take that into account. And they're like wide eyed. <laughs> yeah, we are taking it into account. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out when your skin is that pliable, you don't need Botox. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Do you think that that's it? It's actually not. It's like supernatural, but only in the fact that he can just pull his own face up every 30 years. He <laughs> yeah. Just, well, I mean, it's it. like a, something about the regenerative ability. You know, he's yeah. so flexible and pliable. There's something about the regenerative quality of his skin and maybe the livers that he eats, since Scully did say that it has regenerative properties. Hmm. Hell, yeah. That he is able to um, stay young and healthy. Also, wow. he's, you know... We all know that sleep is an important part of looking youthful. And he sleeps for 30 years at a time. It's true. Yeah, that's true. Wow. New health regimen by Tombs. <laughs> I sleep was... for 30 years, wake, eat five livers, and repeat. <laughs> I was recently... You will glow. Oh, I read about this on Goop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is some Gwyneth Paltrow shit. Yeah. <laughs> go to Goop and then just go to the subheading bile and you'll find all of the instructions. <laughs> the very particular Goop. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, excited to update our uh, abacus. If you don't know at bufferingcast.com slash abacus, we are keeping track of some things when Scully is called a medical doctor, when these two use flashlights, every time Mulder does a slideshow, and of course, significant eye contact. We're getting a lot in this episode because guess what? Not only are these flashlights, but this is from the friggin' credits, Jenny. I was I don't know why I'm yeah. saying just Jenny. Rishi, th- these <laughs> both of you here. This is from the credits. It's really <laughs> exciting. They look great. You would never guess from how great they look in the credits that uh, they're actually feeling the evil in this moment. Yeah. Uh, the old man was right. You can feel it. Um... Can you believe when they pull this mattress away from the hole in the wall that Scully is just like, bloop, she just jumps right into the hole. Love Her it. Her flashlight's barely lighting anything up. She's like, I'm just going to go down there first, some, immediately. That's some fake Without a moment's shit. hesitation. Yeah, just scoot right into the hole. I like it. I like the in in this moment we have like the it's not like Scully will go first. Scully can handle the bile. Scully like they, they've given Scully a lot of beats already in three episodes that like let us know that she can handle her shit, uh, which I think is very cool. And at any point, but like especially in ninety three. Yeah, wait till you see what she gets up to in season <laughs> two. So it's only gonna get better from That's here. Tombs has very thoughtfully just left in a small area so that it's all easily discoverable. One trove of murder trophies, including a thing that Mulder immediately clocks as having the same footprint as the like dust triangle (laughs) that was left on the mantle. And oh boy, a giant bile nest. Imagine the smell of this room. I'm sorry to ask everyone to do this, but I've done it. No, no thank you. This is like paper mache from hell. Yeah. <laughs> worst, worst arts and crafts project ever. <laughs> oh my God, Mulder. It smells like... I think it's bile. Is there any way I can get off my fingers quickly without betraying my cool exterior? <laughs> the answer is no. There's, <laughs> there's simply no way to do it quickly without betraying your cool exterior. 
Jenny, you got some Mulder, Jenny as Mulder points in this moment because all I could think about is you saying, I'm a, I'm a cool guy, actually. This was Mulder's like, I'm, I'm actually a really cool guy. Listen, if there's one thing that Mulder and I have in common, it's that we're both cool guys. <laughs> <laughs> if there's one thing that can bust a cool exterior, it's having to have your hands on somebody's hot interior. Oh, <laughs> God, Rishi, I reject this poetry. <laughs> No. This I accept. This feels good to me. Um, we've got hell math here. I'm calling for the jingle. Hell math. Five livers equals 30 years. Couldn't you just eat four livers and sleep for 24 years? Couldn't he just call it a day? Yeah, like can he do a liver at a time? You know, like if he ate one liver and went to sleep, then could he sleep for six years? Is that the math? <laughs> it is, right? Yeah. Um, what could possibly be the biological purpose of a mutation like this? That's what I'm saying. Like, what are his life goals? I don't understand it. If all he's doing is eating livers and going back to sleep again, does it have- And collecting cool memorabilia from each of his victims. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess if you could imagine some evolutionary trait that says, do this and you'll live super long. I mean, he ha has done that. If if the goal of evolution is to survive, I mean, we haven't gotten mm. to the reproduction part of it. Maybe that's another episode. <laughs> oh, good. But, um, uh, but I guess it's like, you know, you're, Somehow your body's found a way to uh, outlive everybody else at some basic level of evolution that seems like a win. Maybe, maybe he like got a bum deal. You know how, uh, you know how like dark forces like to do trickery deals where they're like, I'll let you live forever. And all you need to do is this thing. I guess I should save that for Kristen's but crystal implants. ball. But yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I thought that was the bum deal you were referring to. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> uh, but like maybe he thought he was signing up for living forever, and then he didn't read the fine print. Mm. Maybe, maybe he's maybe he doesn't want this either. Wow, I like that take. <laughs> yeah, that is interesting. But you know what he does want? Scully's long necklace. Oh, I'm just snagged on something here. Okay, that got a five out of five fucking ripped out livers that moment too. Fucking nope. Yeah. Also, do you think that he got her necklace but also her flashlight? Because as the camera pans up, he's just illuminated. So in my <laughs> This is what I was wondering. Wherever he goes, he manages to find a way to stand where just his eyes are lit up. How does he do it? Maybe he's born with it. You know? <laughs> Maybe it's livers. Mm. <laughs> Okay, could I just jump ahead real quick for yeah. one second? Because uh, related to this, there's a scene later when Mulder pulls up um, in his car in an alley. Um, and the alley is lit, to me, in a very particular and strange way where it's like a reddish-orange light and some green lights in the background behind his car. And to me, I felt like they were trying to emulate that image of Tombs you know, when when you see just Ooh. the face and the eyes and it's that red and that green, <gasps> that they were trying to Whoa. evoke that in the lighting behind 
Mulder's car. Oh, I shit. posited this to Lindsay and she immediately dismissed it. <laughs> oh, I, I love still, it. I still, I, I want it. to believe. Yes. Ooh, well, I also want to believe. Since you mentioned this, Rishi, um, I don't have an answer for you, but I do want to note that this episode was plagued with production problems due to creative differences seemingly between everyone on the X-Files team and the director, mm. Henry Longstreet. He was basically fired because he made the episode, but like didn't shoot coverage, uh, left out entire scenes, was just like, I don't want to do those scenes, <laughs> didn't film them. And uh, James Wong and Michael Cattleman had to go back in, reshoot things that were missing, and also add a bunch of filler, like all of the, <laughs> the microfiche uh, scrolling montages and whatnot. Um, I feel like if that alley was shot by under the supervision of Wong and Cattleman, then yes. And if it wasn't, <laughs> I have my doubts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I, but I think that that would be a, a perfect example of where they would fill something in and do it really beautifully. Because when I read, LaToya left a lot of notes on this in the production document, and I was floored because when I watched this episode, I was like, I think this is the most beautiful, ep like beautifully shot episode of the three so far. And so to learn that a lot of that was because they had to like go back and sort of fill things in was very cool. I know your listeners are are very sophisticated TV watchers, um, but uh, is it worth defining coverage? Mm. Yes. Oh, would you please? <laughs> oh, oh, you want Rishi. me to do it? <laughs> Rishi, you do it. Hell <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, uh, coverage is just a matter of shooting a scene multiple times. So you have... Um, not just takes of the main actors, um, but you have the different angles that you might need. But it also refers to other things that you might want to cut away to. You, you need the coverage when you're in editing. So uh, if you cut across from one take to another take, you can do it smoothly um, by cutting to something else like somebody's hands or their feet or a thing in the room. All these other sort of details that help fill out the visual picture while also giving the editors tools to to put the story together seamlessly i'm so glad that we Beautiful. had you do that <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was way better than i could have done it and apparently the original director didn't get any of that stuff and it's very hard to make an episode when you don't have those yeah. when you don't have those tools I'm so confused yeah. about why that would be the case. But. It sounds like another X-File, actually. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, just this is not important, but before we move along, um, I just saw one of my notes for this scene that we just talked about, which is creepy little freak bat took her necklace. So <laughs> I just wanted to put that into the universe. I didn't want to hold it alone. Totally. <laughs> uh Outside 66 Exeter, uh, so producer Latoya Ferguson said, hey, you guys are a lot older than me, so maybe you have the intel on this. Was it a like sick burn for somebody to call you spooky in the 90s? Because it seems like it is like the meanest thing that these guys can say to Mulder. <laughs> uh, so far as I know, this is, this is only effective mm -hmm. in this exact scenario. Yeah. This is in-universe only. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So they take over surveillance, but then they are immediately called off. So uh, Tombs is unsurveilled. 
Uh, and he uses the opportunity to take a little field trip over to Scully's house, where she is doing the only thing she can ever do <laughs> to feel better when she's working on a frustrating case. She runs a bath, baby. Is this a good time for me to tell you that Scully and I have the same bathtub? Oh, my God. <laughs> Do you take this many? Do you take two baths per every three episodes? Because it's a lot of baths. Yes, I actually do. (laughs) And, you know, a soak has regenerative properties Mm. of its own. My fear. I'll say that. My fear. The biggest, the scariest thing in this episode to me, honestly, is that Scully may never be able to associate her peaceful bath time with. Yeah, she never actually gets to take a bath. She just tries to take a bath, and then something bad happens. She has mosquito bites. She's almost delivered. Like, yeah. Thankfully, while Toombs is clawing around outside the window at that exact time, Mulder is busy recognizing Scully's necklace on the trophy altar over at 66 Exeter and is like, I got to get over there. Very, yes. very convenient that this in this kill, Toombs was like, I'm going to get the gifty first and then do the liver yeah. snatch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Rishi, has this ever happened to you? You're stoked that you're running a bath. You're like maybe in your robe, getting prepped. The steam is rising. You can feel your pores opening. Uh, the scents of your bath salts are like rising in the air. You're like, I cannot wait to relax. You're opening a bottle of some product to enhance your bathing experience when someone's bile drips onto you from the ceiling. If I had a dollar for every time. <laughs> I mean, uh, it is yeah. that is my bath time routine to a T. Run the bath, get undressed, comfy robe, open product, get dripped on by bile. I yeah, read about you, it on Google. You got to earn the bath by... <sighs> Walking through the bile. <laughs> okay, so she runs to get her gun, the best defense against bile, in my opinion. And mm-hmm. we see that her phone line is cut. Mulder's calling her from the car. I meant to look up like when the car phone was invented because it seems like he's got to be right on the cutting edge of having a phone in his car. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? My, I think my dad had a car phone in the early 90s. Okay. Because he had like a job that required him. Was your to dad in the FBI? No, my dad my dad was not in the FBI. <laughs> you told me he the was a The first mobile farmer. phone service for 80-pound telephones installed in cars was demonstrated on June 17th, 1946. Get That's what I'm talking about. What? Wow. It was just like a really long pounds. curly cord. You could only drive as long as the cord would go. Um <laughs> 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 oh. All right, so this is when Rishi has to cover his eyes with all five of his fingies because Toombs is about to stretch them out as far as they can go. (laughs) Yeah, wrap them around your head a couple of times, Rishi. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Toombs pushes the fucking vent off and grabs Scully by the ankle. This is some horror shit. I am here for it. (laughs) Mulder's like screeching around the corner, has to save his beloved Scully. 
And then Toombs jumps out of the vent. This was really interesting to me because when I watched it on regular speed, you know, just like a person watches TV, I was like, whoa, Mm. this like effect seems so cool. Like, what did they do? And so then I like paused it a bunch of times and it was just a man coming out of a vent. So I don't know how they edited it or like what they did to the speed of it, but it it worked for me. I don't know. I think this goes back to what we were saying about the direction a little bit. One of the comments that Morgan and Wong made about the the production of this episode was that they were they thought part of the reason why they weren't satisfied with it was because nobody had done horror on TV in so long mm. that people basically forgot how to do it well. Mm. Um, and mm. I'm wondering like what it would take for them to think like, oh, we nailed it on the scene because like I said, I jumped out of my seat. Yeah. Uh, when when this happened. <laughs> Least favorite thing in the episode is the thing that Toombs does with his hand right before going in for a liver. Making his little sword hand. Oh, God. Making I... his hand as pointy as it <laughs> I gets. I hate it. <laughs> Thankfully, Mulder runs in and he goes to run. Toombs goes to like run and jump out this window. And Scully, totally unfazed, gets up, grabs him. And then Mulder handcuffs him, question mark, said by everyone here in the room. Here's a little bit of background, too, about the origins of this uh, this killer. The guys were working at the writer's room, the X-Files offices, and looking at this ventilation shaft. And um, Morgan said to Wong, what if we were working here late at night and some guy came through that thing? And... Uh, then they took some inspiration from you. I don't know if you two remember Richard Ramirez, AKA the night stalker Mm -hmm. who was Mm -hmm. a serial Mm -hmm. killer from our childhood. Um, he was convicted and sentenced to death in 1989, but he was the night stalker and he was part of the, um, you know, part of the inspiration for the character of tombs. I love the idea of a writer's room where you're just trying to scare the shit out of everyone else in the room. Like that's the goal. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck. Uh, So we visit one more time with Detective Briggs, who's leafing through the newspaper and comes across a familiar face under the headline, suspect caught in serial killings. And then across town, we imagine uh, Tombs himself is shredding <laughs> that very same newspaper, licking it and throwing it across the room towards an already well underway nest. What kind of hospital would allow this sort of like bile mache accumulation? It doesn't seem sanitary. It seems like the opposite of sanitary. <laughs> it also is just this a seems, hospital? It just read visually to me like a psychiatric institution yeah some that makes sense because the i wrote it down is that he was in jail but then it it's it makes way more sense if it's a psychiatric facility because the the uh like people that come in to get, bring the food and stuff are wearing like all white which feels like a very yeah feels kind of medical yeah yeah, yeah. this is yeah. arkham asylum basically yes correct it's both prison hospital it's both psychiatric hospital and jail yes yeah at the yeah same time. you can have it all yep. at arkham um, including maybe your own supply of newspaper bile nest newspaper. Mm-hmm. Scully ordered genetic tests and found that his muscular and skeletal systems were abnormal and that he has a continually declining metabolic rate. 
Uh. And you would think Mulder would be so hopped up about this, but he's just too bummed. Yeah. He's sad about evil, evil in the world. And, you know, the only way to cheer up somebody who's sad about evil in the world is to take your palm and move it sexily up their forearm as a means of comfort. (laughs) (laughs) That's what she does. And I lost my fucking mind. (sighs) Significant. I don't have a jingle for significant arm touch, but if I did, I would be playing it here. (laughs) Um... So, yeah, I just think that this is a beautiful last shot, like beautiful, meaning terrifying and creepy and scary. Uh, Just him looking at what I apparently call the meal hole. I don't know if there's a better. (laughs) (laughs) What I call my mouth. (laughs) My meal hole. (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, um, and the score is really interesting. I couldn't, I don't know if you know what, the, it's like a chanting. There's like a chanting happening in the last bits of the score, or at least that's how it sounded to me. But I couldn't, there was no, there were no captions uh, to say what they were chanting and I couldn't make it out. So I don't know. Oh, it was truly terrifying. And I guess like this is a trope of any good scary thing um and maybe any kind of good mysterious thing too is that like you leave the you leave the door open at the end for the possibility of like further scariness or that like um that things aren't tied up in a nice neat bow yeah you leave the meal hole open at the end is that what you're saying yeah 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 Yeah. I like the trope in rom-coms too, where like somebody's eat, they're like having a meal and someone's like, Oh, Oh, you got a little something just a little there next to your meal hole. Let me just wipe it off. <laughs> oh the, yeah. A meal hole. Cute. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jenny's leaving. I gotta go. Jenny's out of here. <laughs> what if they named this episode meat cute, but M E A T. How can we all feel at this point in discussing this episode? Uh, if not, Horny. Let's take it to the STAs. <laughs> oh, wow. We're going right into the STAs. Hit it, bitch. Once again, we return for another installment of the Sexual Tension Awards, uh, which we have carried over from buffering into the X-Files. Uh, we've got four slots. We've got eight noms paired together for your voting pleasure. <laughs> Here they are in slot number one. You'll never believe who's in slot number one. Uh, they have looked, they have touched, they have hung out in cars, they have fingered necklaces, oh. they have stroked forearms. Stop it is a it. whole <laughs> fucking thing. It's Mulder and Scully please. I wonder if anyone will ever win besides Mulder and Scully. <laughs> I know. I know. Honestly, if anyone does win besides the two of them, I think they just win the whole thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in slot number two, it's literally no one's favorite. It's actually everyone's least favorite. A man who just wants to get higher and higher and higher, if at all possible. It's Tom Colton and his very favorite partner, the latter question mark the latter uh, in slot number three beauty is in the eye of the beholder especially when the eye is you know gold and creepy and over a hundred 
years old. And especially when the item of beauty is a small trinket of some kind that brings to mind that one time you ate that one liver that sustained your life for six of the next 30 years of hibernation. It's tombs and his little gifties that he collects along the way. (laughs) And in slot number four, uh, I'm trying to find a very cool and casual way to just bring up the concept of wetness. But hey, (laughs) it's Scully and the bath. It's Scully (laughs) and the bath. She just wants to be in its warm embrace forever and always. And they basically have kind of like a... Uh, star-crossed lovers sort of thing going on. Will they ever? Will they? Won't they? Scully in the back. <laughs> yeah. That's the real question of the X-Files. Um, She's just so... a girl with a cool exterior asking a bath with a hot interior if she can get inside it. <laughs> so if you care, and I think that you do, please vote. Uh, please make your voice heard in our little micro-democracy. Uh, you can find the Sexual Tension Award poll over on our Twitter at BufferingCast. Go vote. Go vote. Go vote. Sexual Attention Award. Okay. Uh, Rishi, the last thing we do before we wrap it up is we ask Kristen to peer into her crystal ball as someone who's never seen anything else that happens in the (laughs) X-Files and try to predict what might be next. Kristen, where are we headed? Thank you so much for asking me and my crystal ball. Um, I would like to say that on a macro level, I still am holding out hope for Bell Floor, Oregon. Uh, and okay, okay. on a micro level, I took a lot of notes about tombs. And what I realized in, in all seriousness is that I have no idea what kind of monster shit this show is going to get up to. Like in my mind, the monsters in X-Files were not going to be like the monsters in Buffy. Like there was, I think that I just view the X-Files as having a certain kind of seriousness to its monsters that like not all of, most of the Buffy monsters don't have. So I'm not sure, but I took a lot of notes on tombs. His eyes change color. He builds nests. He has weird black and white vision, question mark. He eats livers. He works in animal control. He growls. He can lie, and I'm most interested in this fact because even though he didn't score well on two of the questions, he said he never ate a liver, and he said he never killed a person. So is it that it's Tombs the man and then the thing that lives inside of Tombs, and that's why oh. Tombs the man, because his eyes aren't orange oh. when he's taking the lie detector test. Ooh. He can skin. He can scale walls and he can squeeze. Uh, the t- he can he can do the titular squeeze uh, whenever he wants. Oh wow! <laughs> wow! <laughs> HR, please. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to back that. <laughs> um, Reminder so... not to let Kristen get close to my necklace. <laughs> oh, my God, Rishi, I'd be so pleased if every time I saw you forever, you were just wearing a long, dangly silver necklace. 
Uh, <laughs> um, so I like the the place that my mind went to, apart from my you know hypothesis that it's tombs the man and then whatever is inside of tombs is that it has to have something to do with like animals the like predator of it all and so I started to do some re- I don't know how it happened but here's my wild theory why people come here not for mm-hmm. the truth but for the for the wild theories is that tombs in 1903 he's like 30 years old right because maybe he's uh, but we think 1903 is the first one He's working in animal control. Something happens. Something like, I don't know, don't things happen to superheroes all the time where they like bump up against something and then it makes them radioactive and they can turn into an ant or whatever. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Isn't that a thing? I yes, love that always one. Happening it's like, to oh man, he bumped up into this thing and got the superpower. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, so like, I looked up house bats and also owls those are my first two guesses that something related to a bat or an owl was involved in this and that's and that's why tombs is his eyes do his thing and he has to hibernate in a little nest but i didn't come up with any really good theories because house bats don't eat livers they eat insects so it can't be a house bat and owls don't hibernate bats do so i just haven't whittled it down yet but i'm going to be trying to figure out what kind of animal tombs came into contact with in 1903 that why not a bat owl oh or an owl bat or maybe it's pronounced bat owl <laughs> <laughs> So I don't know. Those are some of my theories. Do you have any other questions for me? That any things that you would like to know uh, about my predictions? I'd like to know how often do you imagine we'll get Monster of the Week episodes versus Myth Arc episodes? Well, it, I I will say that I feel like it won't be super guessy of me based on like things I've seen here and there. But also the last time I thought that I knew something, I said that Deep Throat was like maybe going to be in one episode and Jenny laughed me off the screen. So who knows? <laughs> but I'd, I, hey, I just just wanted to get down your exact prediction. So I, I was repeating it back to you. That's all. I get the <laughs> sense that it might be. Uh, close to an equal balance uh, of of myth arc and monster of the week. And mm-hmm. I hope that I really like this. If this is an example of what a monster of the week episode is, I really hope that we get a lot of them because I got all of what I wanted to get from Scully and Mulder, which is the that's the myth arc I care about. Like that's the mm-hmm. one that I'm following. Um, right. And it also was just really fun um, to like dive into what other supernatural things can look like on the show and, and stuff like that. Great. Okay. 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 So to recap, the next time we see Tombs, his origin story of being a radioactive liver eating bat owl mm-hmm. or bat owl yeah bat will owl. be revealed okay incredible and jenny didn't you say that th- wasn't there a man bat or something on my quiz that you gave me in episode zero ba- ba- I, there That's was true. but that was <laughs> that was a uh superhero or uh that was a comic book comic it was a comic film. book film. Not- okay <laughs> yeah well that's great though because if it was if it was a monster of the week then i would say my theory is dead in the water you know what i mean if there's already a man bat <laughs> yeah. it can't be another man bat <laughs> right. <laughs> right do you do you have any predictions just, i'm just curious kristen do you know who man bat w- was you know an enemy of batman just 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 nailed it. it oh no i mean i didn't know that that was just me being really smart <laughs> i deserve credit yeah <laughs> wow 
Well, <laughs> we did I it. would say, I mean, and feel free to argue with me, but if I were to say what the status of this X-File is now, I would say the status of this X-File is bile drenched. Oh, Jenny, I would like to argue with you. That's disgusting. <laughs> I would say that this X-File is closed except for the little meal hole opening. <laughs> I was really hoping the meal hole would get worked in. Thank you, Rishi. (laughs) Rishi, you can stay forever. (laughs) Rishi K. Shearway, my actual best friend, my very best friend in the world, and Kristen's good friend. Mm -hmm. Uh, Thank you so much. That's true. For joining us. Uh, Our very first guest, and I wouldn't have it any other way, uh, what an honor and a privilege and a joy always to be near you. Where can the good people, if somehow they don't already know, where can they find you and the things that you do and what you're about? They can find me, I guess I have a website. It's rishikesh.co. I probably, it's a good reminder for me to dust that thing off and make sure it's <laughs> updated. But it has links to my music, much of which was written with Jenny Owen Youngs. Um, yes. And uh, the podcasts that I make uh, or have made, I make the podcast Song Exploder. You can listen to me on that and um otherwise i don't know i'm on social media at probably leaving comments in reply to jenny and Kristen all the time <laughs> wait rishi are you on tiktok i'm not on tiktok <sighs> rishi's too sophisticated yeah, for tiktok i just was dragged it to tiktok like kicking and screaming so i wanted to know if i had an ally in you and it seems i do yeah we are I... not too sophisticated for tiktok <laughs> <laughs> I well here's the thing I haven't made um a full length record in uh the last decade but I'm working on it and there might be a day where I'm forced to um be on TikTok because if apparently that's what you have to do if you want to have a music career now. Yep. Happens to the best of us. <laughs> I'm Jenny Owen Youngs and when I'm not watching the X-Files or Buffy, I'm usually making music. In fact, Last week, I released the first single from my upcoming instrumental album. The song is called Sunrise Mountain. You can stream it in all the streamy places. I made it collaboratively with our editor supreme, John Mark Nelson, who's also an amazing musician. That song's out now. The album from the forest floor will be out May 5th and also features a collaboration with Rishikesh Hirway. No big deal. Oh, my God. So you're saying that you collaborated with everyone involved except with the podcast you. except for me well chris i mean kristen <laughs> think of think of a format where there's no talking and then think of yourself <laughs> these are two circles that never touch i see i see so i was the muse i get it no that's great uh, okay <laughs> Uh, I just want to say I have heard this song and it is really fucking beautiful. It's also really different than anything you've ever done, Jenny. And I think it rules. So congrats. And I'll be playing it on repeat. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, You can give me a shout if you want to weigh in on this song or pictures of my dog. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram or TikTok at Jenny Owen Youngs. I'm Kristen Russo, notably not featured on the upcoming album from Jetty Own Youngs and Friends. Uh, but you can find me on social media and on my website at kristinnoline.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-I-N-E. I do a lot of work when I'm not watching Buffy and the X-Files with the LGBTQ plus community. Specifically, I do a lot of talks at workplaces, helping folks to be better to LGBTQ plus folks in their workplaces, as well as talking to 
parents at those workplaces and caregivers about how to be supportive adults to the LGBTQ plus folks in their life. Something always important, but um, these days, increasingly so. Uh, so find me. Also, I am open if you want to create an album of instrumental music. Uh, <laughs> Jenny's not invited. <laughs> Buffering, a rewatch adventure, is on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at BufferingCast. We're also now on TikTok at BufferingCast, much to Kristen's chagrin. <laughs> and you could drop us an email at hello at BufferingCast.com. Yes, support us as always. We've got new fun items in the merch store, uh, designs by Devin Power. We have a Patreon that is always bumping. We've got Buzz Buzz Thursdays are going strong where we rewatch last week's episode of Yellow Jackets before the newest episode comes out. Are your stomachs growling? Join us. <laughs> Bufferingcast.com. You can find out all of those things and more. This episode was produced by Kristen Russo, Jenny Owen Youngs, and Latoya Ferguson with support from our consultant, Mackenzie McDade. It was edited by John Mark Nelson. Thanks again to special guest, Rishi K. Shearway. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so thrilled for this podcast. I'm so thrilled that I got to pick what episode I got to be on. <laughs> and um, this was just such a delight. Thanks, as always. <sighs> Rishi. The pleasure yep. is ours. Truly. And uh, till next time, the, the, the pod, pod is, is out, out there. I'll give you a couple more. Tombs. Tombs coming. Tombs coming. That one got a little grainy. <laughs> Tombs coming. There you go. You've probably heard the name Mary, Queen of Scots, and maybe you know the importance of her legacy to the British monarchy. But how much do you know about her life and what she was really like? For instance, did you know that she preferred to have her eggs scrambled or that giving gifts was her love language? In my podcast, Vulgar History, we'll be talking about all that and more during an eight-part miniseries about the fascinating life of Mary, Queen of Scots. Vulgar History is a feminist women's history comedy podcast where we don't shy away from the messy, complicated lives of women from the olden times. Particularly with women in history, it's easier to use broad strokes to portray who they were, and it's like we forget they probably also had messy lives, complicated relationships, and maybe things weren't as black and white as they might seem in a textbook. But I'm dedicated to sharing the sides of the stories we don't always hear, and each episode is supported by rigorous historical research. Turns out there's really something about Mary Queen of Scots. So be sure to turn into my series about Mary Queen of Scots and check out the other incredible women I've talked about while you're there. You can listen and subscribe to Vulgar History wherever you get your podcasts and learn more at vulgarhistory.com. <laughs> <laughs>